0: Sunday gold, Zaria Masoudi and Brett Nevitt. A season recap after Florida State's year comes to an end in the Auburn Regional. The Seminoles went 1-2 and two on the plains of Auburn, Alabama. And look, uh, not the way we wanted the season to end, but here we are in 34-25 and 25 overall final record in Mike Martin Jr.'s third season. We are on Apple and on Spotify. Thank you guys for listening all year long. Brett and I wanted to... Give a couple days for our thoughts to kind of come into more clarity before we came on here and and tried to deliver an even-keeled message because it was very emotional this weekend for a lot of people and um, just really didn't go the way that we had all hoped. But it kind of went the way that I think a lot of people thought it was likely to go. And I think that was what was most frustrating was that you saw it coming. You hoped that maybe, just maybe, You had the regional in place that was manageable with the teams that were in there and that you could play your best baseball at that point of the year. And unfortunately, they didn't, Brett.
1: Yeah. I mean, this weekend, I think, you know, going into it, we both said that, you know, we didn't think that they were going to get out of the regional for the mistakes they made on the road all year long. Um, You know, in a three-game span and especially on Saturday – those mistakes were brought to the forefront. It was, everything was culminated. It was all in, I mean, everything just happened at once. Everything that's gone wrong with everything that's gone wrong with, for, with you, for you, for the last, this whole season and the whole season before that showed up. Um, it continues to show up. It's, it's the, the poor fundamental baseball seemed like the only consistent team for this only thing that was consistent for this team all year long and we're at the point where poor fundamental baseball is is it's part of fsu identity it's part of of their brand um and that's not a good thing we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't not be surprised when those things happen and it's just all weekend i mean the last two games even friday i didn't think they played great um it was just it it, it just wasn't good baseball at all anywhere on the field
0: In this pod, we're going to recap each of the games from the regional, give our overall thoughts on it, and then break down the the season as a whole, give out some awards for uh, some of the guys and and who we thought um, deserved it with with their accolades. And uh, there was a lot of good this season. I think we need to say that. There was some impressive performances and some guys who really showed us that they can be the future of this program. Um, And then we'll also talk a little bit about the ncaa tournament with super regional picks and and we'll talk some general college baseball uh, brett and i will plan to do a a podcast later this week or early next with chris Nee of of 24 7 and just to kind of give you an overall state of the program podcast talking bigger picture stuff like coaching uh players coming in players leaving Um, and what to expect going forward for the summer and and into the fall and beyond. But this one, we're going to keep this focused. I know a lot of people were hoping we did an instant react this past weekend, and we wanted to. Brett and I actually tried to record one in in the car on the way home from Auburn on Sunday, and um, it just – the file corrupted somehow, and, and we couldn't get it to you. But, all right, so UCLA Friday, it started out really well for FSU Five-to-three win over the Bruins. Parker Messick came back, Brett, and was, was really good for four innings and, and battled through five in some uh, hot conditions on a muggy day in Auburn.
1: Yeah, I thought Parker was good. Um, you know, UCLA team is just really tough to, to strike out, to get to go out of the zone. I thought Auburn and them were, were both very good at that, um, especially Auburn. But, you know, I thought Parker was really good, especially those first four innings. I mean, after the game, Savage said, um, you know, he said, he loved Parker, loved everything about him, his competitiveness, his pitches, everything that he presented on the mound. Um, you know, if it wasn't for that that ground ball, that infielder, I mean, that infield single, I mean, Parker probably has a bit better of an outing or a better stat line. Um, overall, he just gave you a chance to win, and that's what you want from your ace, especially at, you know, 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, I thought he set the tone through the first four innings and um, scoring early, getting one run on the board for him, and then him posting four straight zeros. I thought that that kind of gave them a boost to that they needed to, to start the tournament off.
0: Yeah. So five innings from Parker, uh, John Savage, the head coach for UCLA tried the old freeze play where he calls over the batter. Um, and, and Parker was cruising through about four and two thirds. It was vintage Parker Messick and they iced him. And then Parker comes back after that, gives up a home run an infield single, as Brett mentioned. And, um, then there was some wild pitches and, a walk and a single and, and uh, 85 pitches and Mike Martin Jr. decided that would be all that Messick would have against UCLA, just five innings. Um, but they were pretty good. And that's the final appearance of Parker Messick's career in Tallahassee. Uh, excuse me, uh, as a seminal, I say in Tallahassee, I mean at Florida State. Um, but that's a good way to go out. He, he was strong and was told he was gearing up to maybe pitch again on Monday night if Florida State got there. That's just the type of kid he is and how much he loves his teammates in Florida State. But Crowell comes in, gets the job done for FSU. Davis Hare shuts it down. Um, but Brett, offensively, five runs on eight hits, it felt like even in the win, Florida State left a lot of runs out there because of base running mistakes.
1: Yeah, base running mistakes and and... Poor timely hitting, um, left a lot of guys. I think there were two or three situations where you had a runner on third and and, and less than one less than two ounce or a runner on second and no ounce and you, you didn't score runs. Um, you got a big swing from Alex in the ninth to get some insurance, but um, it felt like a game that could have been like, I don't know, eight to two, eight to one, if it's not for some mistakes that FSU makes. It just felt like they kept a really half-asleep UCLA team in the game. I mean, they were playing at 9 a.m. their time, and, um, I mean, you literally extended the game with, with an, with an airmail at third. Um, I think you had two errors in the game. I think you got thrown out on the bases, like, three times. Um, I mean, you won that game. Obviously, good to get off to a great start, but, you know, I think after the game, i told Aria, like, we're still making these same mistakes. Like, it's still these same things just keep happening, and they're not going to just, like, out of nowhere, they're not just going to stop tomorrow.
0: Would you agree that UCLA was more bad than Florida State was good in game one?
1: I mean, yeah.
0: Their first baseman straight
1: up dropped a ball. In the first um, inning. Yeah, I mean, FSU walked the bases loaded in the sixth. They get nothing out of it. Um, You know, I thought it was partly, you know, FSU's talent just kind of Some of their guys were just more talented than some of the UCLA's players, and ultimately that won out. Um, I didn't think either team played great. I thought UCLA was pretty asleep, and I thought FSU just played poor fundamental baseball, and FSU's talent won that game 5-3 when you have Messick and Crowell and Hare on the mound.
0: Yeah, and they did their job. And then you mentioned to me too, I think it was like the third inning, you said this Ratchet guy uh, doesn't have it today. Like this isn't. We agree that this wasn't his best, right? And whatever it was, coming off the oblique injury, um, he only went 85 pitches as well. Um, but it just felt like his stuff wasn't really fooling Florida State throughout.
1: Well, I just felt like he he was a kind of afraid to go to his fastball for a while, especially against lefties. And um, it seemed more and more like FC was getting closer and closer to figuring that out. You know, I know he went on that that long span of, of retiring a lot of guys, but then you know, in that span, of, you know, fourth, fifth, it felt like. They were starting to time him up, starting to get some good swings, and it just weren't resulting. And then finally, you get some results off of him, and when you score four runs off of him in six innings, I think um, that's pretty good against Radrick. He's a good arm. He's a fiery competitor. Um, you know, four pitches. You know, three pretty good pitches. Um, so it was good to see them put together quality at bats. I think they only struck out one time against him. Um, that's really, really. That was really, really good to see the way they they fought against him. It just they just found their way to they grinded their way to some runs um early on and, and you know they had a lot more chances I felt like
0: but um you know they got it done at least and you know other than uh, Terrell's home run late there most of the contributions were from guys that were younger right and, and are coming back next year I loved seeing Ferrer get things started for FSU with a double and then Tibbs brings him home in the first inning kind of like a Uh, back-to-back freshmen who are saying in my first regional appearance, right, postseason game, we're ready to play. And I loved seeing that Uh, carry on huge triple to right field. Um, And and he continues to show you that he has the makings of a a really talented shortstop for FSU um, in his career. But the younger guys, I thought in that one, uh, Crowell coming in and kind of getting the job done too, that was nice to see in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, James and Jaime were good all weekend, I thought. Um, especially Jaime with the bat. Um, I mean, those guys just impact every game they play in. Jordan, the triple, that's just Jordan being Jordan, Jordan uh, taking what the pitcher gives you, um, slapping it the other way, and it, it gets down the line, um, uses his speed to get to third. I think that was his first triple as, as a seminal, um, obviously in a huge moment too, um, and that brought that place to life, brought the FC fans that were awesome that game to life and awesome all weekend, but especially that game and, and the last UCLA game when... They had a few things to cheer about, and it wasn't, you know, Saturday's whatever that was. But, um, you know, good to see that from those guys. And Wyatt just wasn't sharp, didn't really have his fastball, but had the slider and was able to get away with it, um, able to get away with the lack of command. Um, but, you know, still overall, really, really good season for Wyatt. And he came came through for you in most
0: opportunities that you gave him. Wyatt's final numbers on the year, by the way, Brett, uh, 28 appearances, which is wow, that's heavy usage. 2 uh, 212 ERA, six and one, 51 innings, just 17 walks, 72 Ks, and, and batters hit only 201. That's a future star, right? If he's not already a star for you, he's going to go to USA this summer, and I think that'll be a, a really cool opportunity for him to not just showcase and compete, but I think to learn a couple things too from from a lot of the best. But you once told me in the middle of the year why it's never going to really get hit hard. That's just not his stuff's too good for him to get to give up hits back to back and have something going off of him. So, um, again, this weekend, he wasn't at his sharpest, I don't think this weekend. Um, but that's just a testament to how good his stuff is for him to not give up runs.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, why it just, his stuff's just too good when it's in the zone for hitters really to do much with it. And, um, I mean, when you throw a fastball that hard from the slot that he comes from pair it with the hard slider, um, uh, you know, I think if Wyatt wants to be a, star, a starter, um, just needs to build up some more durability and, um, you know, kind of develop and polish that change up, use it a little bit more, use it more for strikes when he needs it, and just have that third pitch at all times. But, you know, no matter what, you know, Wyatt's going to come back, and, you know, at worst, he's going to be a dominant reliever, a back-end guy for you that can give you lots of innings and... Um, you just know he's going to miss a lot of bats with with the stuff that he has and and the athleticism that he possesses on the mound
0: I think too from a mental standpoint uh, on Wyatt we talk about maturity and growth and it felt like he got better in the second half of the season than he was in the first half and that's always something you look forward to for young guys as they continue in their careers but seeing Wyatt be able to kind of embrace the roles that he was put into and and become, I would say, your most reliable pitcher overall down the stretch of the season. Um, That's something that's positive going into 2023. All right, we're going to have to talk about it. I wish we could skip over it, but 21 to seven against Auburn. And one, let's credit Auburn. I feel like we need to mention, I think Brett and I both kind of downplayed Auburn throughout last week and we're like oh that's a two seed and that's not a great team and maybe so maybe they're gonna go to Oregon State next weekend and, and just get beat down but I was impressed by the Auburn Tigers especially the lineup this weekend I thought one through nine they put a lot of bat at bats together I thought they had a, a nice mix of scrappers guys who were fouling pitches off and then Sonny Deshera is a superstar that kid is a really really good college baseball bat Um, and they fed off their crowd I'll give their crowd credit too it was a good environment in Plainsman Park this weekend and Auburn was the part I'm going to give them the credit they beat everybody up there wasn't a single close game for them in each of their three wins they swept everybody throughout the weekend and I think they averaged something like 15 or 16 runs per game in the regional so kudos to them they deserve a hat tip they're moving on that being said and brett i'm going to toss it to you here to, to really dive into it 21 to 7 is unacceptable with the roster that you have in place
1: yeah um historical loss i think it was the second most runs that FSC has given up in program history um you know i believe it was like the second worst loss in postseason history um It was just, it was miserable. Um, It was miserable for every FSU person there, the players in the dugouts, coaches, fans, uh, us. I mean, I had to go on therapeutical walks. I was just so miserable. Um, Aria and I vented to each other a good bit standing outside. Um, It just wasn't fun. It was the worst day of this baseball season, the worst day I've seen this baseball program have since I've been here, since I've been here covering this team. Um, And it was simply, it was simply unacceptable. You can't, hell, you can't do that the first week of the season in a midweek. You can't do that in you know a winner's bracket game of a regional when you're trying to get yourself one step away from moving on to supers. Um, to show up and, and lay that egg, um, and you know, all it comes down to at the end of the day is Auburn had a good base running, really good fielding. Um, they didn't walk people, and they were disciplined at the plate. Um, FSU was horrible base running, walked 16 guys, bad defense, and didn't have good de- I mean, didn't really do anything at the plate those first six innings. Um, Bryce completely dropped the ball, I thought. Um, he just didn't give you what, he, what you needed out of him. You know, it seemed like he was struggling with his grip again, like he did at UNC. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, there's not really an excuse for that. Um, you know, he just didn't have his breaking balls again, I didn't think. Uh, Auburn didn't chase anything they eliminated everything about the fastball from all of FSU's pitchers um, you know I said before the game I thought Bryce's path to success was landing breaking balls for strikes and he just he just didn't do it and he hasn't been able to do that for a lot of the second half of the year um, he's been back and forth on you know the slider curveball how he wants to throw them and um, he just never figured it out the second half of the year for the most part except for that BC start where he looked really really good Um I mean, all your relief pitchers really struggled. Um, I mean, you just – it was Alex, the third inning. I mean, you, got, you finally get some momentum in that game, and Alex is on second with no ounce. There's complete miscommunication between meet Colton and, and Alex. You know, I know some people have said that's not a coaching, what's Alex doing, but at the end of the day, Alex needs to be told that Colton's not bunting there. Um, you know, Colton's fake bunting there at 3-0. It's really a take sign, but Alex is getting off – you know, that, he's getting off with a secondary lead like he is prepared for Colton to drop a bunt. Um, I don't know why he wasn't told there wasn't a bunt coming. I don't know if he just missed his signal. But at the end of the day, FSU still this weekend had miscommunications on the field, miscommunications with pitchers and catchers, and miscommunications with coaches and base runners. Uh, we're in the last weekend of the season. That stuff can't keep happening. It, it, it's stuff that is, 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 is really, really, really concerning, stuff that just cannot happen when you're in a third year under, under, a, new, under a new head coach in a program. We're, 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 not, we're too far into this to still be having these mistakes. It, it really just it, it, it infuriates me at this point because communication cannot be a problem. Effort cannot be a problem. Fundamentals should not be a problem, yet they're the biggest problem this program has.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was part of the vent in the middle of the game from both of us. And Fundamentals I, have nothing to do with talent. Correct. Nothing. And, and we talked to each other, didn't we? We said, you're not giving yourself a chance for a player being clutch, for a big-time performance, for a big-time play to be the difference, right? Like, you, you're not even putting yourself in a spot to be in the fight. You're just getting knocked out. It's like, walk, all right, let, let's put it this way. This might be a terrible analogy, but I'm going with it. You talk about boxing. It's like you're about to fight a heavyweight, and before you even get into the ring, you trip and you hit your head against the railing, against the, and you knock yourself out cold. It's hilariously embarrassing, right? Like, you just walked up to Auburn and said, you know what, we, we're here to just kind of be your four seed. You lost the game by a wider margin than Southeast Louisiana lost on Friday. Like, that cannot happen. In the third inning, that was your chance, I think, where momentum could have flipped. Give Terrell credit for another big hit on the weekend. I thought he tried, you know, to make some big plays as a veteran all weekend long. Um, But then he gets picked off. You're down 3-1, they walked the batter it would have been what second first and second nobody so out.
1: Bases loaded nobody out after that cuz that another walk.
0: Well cuz yeah then Tyler Martin walked. So you'd third have third walk of the inning. Right. So you have bases loaded nobody out. Um, and then of course like you and I predicted that wasn't going to end well. Carry on hits the crap out of the ball on a first pitch fastball and it's right at the shortstop. Double play cuz that wasn't on Colton. I mean Colton was normal lead ball was hit behind him and he's toast. So that felt like, at that point, the way the crowd had been into it and the way that you had started to kind of make them uneasy and the Auburn team uneasy, that was the jolt of life that Auburn needed because they put up a seven spot, right, the very next inning. Was that the inning with, yes, with all of yeah. the mistakes, the pop-up, the overrun by Ferrer in right field? Um, you really just lost the game by the end of the fourth inning.
1: I mean, the, the person sitting next to me when that third inning ended said, this game's over um the way this team the way things have gone at away games and and that scenario of how momentum kind of was going your way and then all of a sudden it was dead stopped um this team just struggled all year to build on things they struggled to build on their momentum they struggled like you know they go what they went they had that really good week the next week they lay an egg um you have a really good inning the next inning you lay an egg or the next game you lay something like that but every like because the team never complimented each other well, things never came together that way. Um, there's just there's so many things to talk about when it comes to that Saturday game. It, it was just, I it just still bugs the hell out of me. I, I don't, I mean, I th- I mean before the worst part was before the game, me and Ari were walking around, the crowds filling in. I think I told you it. It just feels like we're about to see a team unravel because. The only times that this team has played in atmospheres like that this year were at Clemson when they completely un- unraveled on Friday and Sunday to lose this series against a not very good team. Um, you know, uh, the Florida games on the road, they lost both of those, the one in Jacksonville and that one. And then, I mean, other than that, you didn't really have any real road atmospheres. But in those small ones, you just – I mean, North Carolina is a bit of a road atmosphere, and you got swept there. Um, Ursa, whatever it is. Just, you unraveled too. Yeah.
0: I and mean, yep. it just happened time and time again, Brad. And this team finished the year. I have the numbers up here. Uh, true road game six and fourteen, neutral two and three. So away from Hauser, you were eight and seventeen. Y'all, that's that's brutal. I mean, that's that's a team that, to me, it feels like culturally, psychologically, you don't have them ready to play whenever you get on a bus or a plane, right? Like whenever you're not just showing up to your own clubhouse in your own beds, cause you were 26 and eight at home. That's a really good home record for the year. And your best wins of the year came at home. The sweep of Louisville was at Hauser. TCU was at Hauser beating Florida. uh, Convincingly was at Hauser Uh, Miami. Two of three was at Hauser. So, I don't know. To to me, when you're that Jekyll and Hyde away, you know, from home and away, that means meets drop the ball psychologically with this team, and that's something that he talked about a lot. Right when he got here, was we're going to have mentally tough players. Uh, Sports psychology is important to us. We got to win the mental edge. I just, I don't know how else you explain the numbers. Right, eight and seventeen away from Tallahassee, and. Uh, I mean, Brett, you called it. I mean, that night right before the game, you said, I don't know. This team just hasn't really played well um, in environments like this. And it looked bits and pieces of every road series loss that they've had all year. All of them just kind of collided into one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, another thing that was talked about at that press conference you mentioned was, you know, part of this program, part of the offensive mindset, the offensive identity of this team was going to be, Hunting fastballs, is being aggressive on fastballs over the plate in the zone. Um, I know it's a nine to one game, or ten to one, or whatever it was. The point at the start of the beginning of the fourth, from the fourth to the sixth, FSU had you know take sign until they got a strike for every batter basically um, through the sixth inning against Gonzalez, the righty. Um, one, the, the scouting report on Gonzalez is he throws a lot of fastballs and he throws a lot of strikes. Um, two. 10 of the 10 batters came to the plate for fsu only one reached base six of them had first pitch strikes um, only you know the other four none of them got to a 2-0 count uh, you know by the second pitch it was 1-1 uh, i mean you literally had fsu players taking fastballs down the middle and then shaking their head you could visibly see frustration from the hitters um, my thing is no matter the game scenario, no matter the game situation, where you are in the season, whether it's February 18th, whether it's June 5th, 6th, 7th, um, your identity as an offense, as an op- offensive approach, your mindset as an offense should never change. If you want to be instilling something in your program, you have to be consistent in that message. And never change your aggressiveness on things you do. You want to, you say you want to be aggressive on base pass. Um, I mean, Jaime's always aggressive on base pass. Did a little extra run to, from second to third on a tag, a tag play on a pop up to short right to the second baseman. Jaime got there safe. Um, you know, took an extra base, put pressure on the other team. But he gets called out in the press conference for a TF moment, a true freshman moment. You know, he got there safe. He was aggressive. He got you an extra base but now you're telling him you can't do that. And then, so then that's when, why there's, to me, that's why there's so many base running errors and why guys always, all of a sudden seem like they just don't know the approach is because there's inconsistencies and stuff. You know, sometimes kids are like, we can be aggressive in these scenarios, but not in this scenario. So you you put kids in the middle of things and you you just don't have consistency in the way you play and the way things are taught, I think, and in the way that, you know messages are 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 put across to some of these kids and i just it's it's worrisome
0: it is it is worrisome and i think you watched a team in auburn who wasn't necessarily uber talented they just knew who they were and they had an identity they looked you know if you've ever talked to to butch thompson um he's a really good dude by the way really good guy um, and I think he's going to be a great head coach at Auburn um, for, for years to come. But they play like his personality, and they had an identity. He went and got Tim Hudson and Gabe Gross, two former major leaguers. I mean, Hudson's a – in my opinion, he's a Hall of Famer. So you've got guys who bring MLB experience, and but it's they're both Auburn guys, right? You have an identity of what an Auburn Tiger is. Um, and the the fans, I thought, did a great job, too. But can we shout out, I thought, uh, Kyle McMullen came in three innings, gave up just one run and 60 pitches, which is the most. I and mean, that's the most in his career, I think, at Florida State, just with all the injuries and seeing him in post uh, come into that press conference and just kind of talk. You could see the appreciation he had just to be out there again um, and to contribute. But um, in a weekend where not a lot of things went well, it was cool to see – Some of these older players have some great final moments.
1: Yeah, especially Kyle. Um, With the things he's gone through and and just the kid he is, um, you know, Kyle McMullen's a kid that's going to go on to do a lot better things with his life than FSU baseball. I mean, there's a 50 50 shot that kid might be the U.S. president from the way you just, when he talks to you, you just, you know that that's a kid that's going to be successful in life. Meat said it before. um, But to see him go out there and throw three innings and, you know, career high with that, career high strikeouts tied it um, and threw as many pitches as he did and get FSU through through those three innings and, you know, not have to burn the arms even more than they did. And, you know, some of those kids just have to had to be out there and kind of just take a beating, which was tough to watch. But, you know, Kyle limited that to, to you know, a certain degree. And, um, you know, it was just really cool to get, see, you know, see him get that moment and see him, you know. Be able to to live out you know his FSU dream more, you know one more time because that kid, I think more than anyone bleeds Garnet and Gold.
0: Yeah, no, I'm mean, not. I've, I've had a chance to talk to him uh, about his love for Florida State. His whole family. I mean, I think both of his parents went to Florida State. He's just a kid that grew up a diehard Seminole and um, wearing the Garnet and Gold, I think, meant more to him um, because of his love prior to coming here. And so, a hat tip to him. Seriously, like that that was really cool. A final swan song so to speak. Speaking of from vets, let's go to some of the rookies. And you and I were just scratching our heads at points. (laughs) You looked at me at one point after Sebastian Jimenez hit a home run, and and you said, I've been telling you this about Baz for two years, that he can do this. Why is that his eighth at bat of the season? And he hits one, I don't know, Brett, that that ball was hit to Birmingham, Alabama. He hit the daylights out of it.
1: Yeah, I thought that ball was the farthest ball hit all weekend. I mean, it was... I mean, maybe besides Jaime on Sunday, which was—I mean, um,
0: good, good lord. But, Trayton's home run was. I mean, all as three well. of
1: those were. They were all massively crushed. But I mean, Baz is for me is 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 the future behind the plate. I mean, he's been the future behind the plate for me since he came here freshman year. But he had that injury and wasn't able to, you know, really catch for the first half of the year this year because his arm was still working back. But um, he still could have DH. He still could have played first. I mean, you had guys struggling from times at, at first and at DH. I mean, that's his eighth at-bat of his career when he hits that absolute nuke. And I mean, he's the only at-bat he's had is in these blowout situations. I mean, he hadn't really had a meaningful at-bat all year, uh, never did, hasn't really had one in his career yet. Um, you know, he was a kid that was one of their best hitters at the end of the preseason. I was there, I, I saw it. Um, Cade Bush was a kid that was one of their, be- their best hitters at the end of the preseason and, and was a kid that pinch hit for you in your first close game of this year on the road in the ninth inning with two outs. And he was in the portal by the last weekend of the, of the year because um, he's not getting opportunities. And, 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 I mean, you know, Trayton, his ACC numbers and everything were great. His, his numbers against competition, against good competition, were really good. Um but he just didn't just did give him any opportunities down the last part of the season um, for one reason or another. Um, I mean, Logan, for the last second half of the year, kind of showed you over and over again that he was pretty much a shell of himself at this point, and I know he's a veteran, but at what point are you going to say you, know, you could get more from a kid that could potentially be here the next few years rather than... It, then you know all these red shirt seniors playing every day that aren't going to be here next year, and you know some of those kids do need to play for you in the postseason, but they don't need to play every single game every day your whole year. To I mean, there's ways to find these kids opportunities. It's it's not impossible. Other schools do it.
0: trayton finished the year 278. Brett, I mean that's an all competition. That's pretty good. Um, we have been wondering where he'd been. I mean he's the prototype for what Mike Martin Jr. had said he wanted at Florida State. Guys who can hit for power, who run the bases with athleticism, are versatile, right? Like, Trayton can play three positions in the infield. I mean, I think Trayton can play all four positions in the infield, to be honest. Um, And he could probably play some outfield, too. And he has. So... I don't know. He's the prototype, right, of what you in want. In
1: ACC play, Trayton Rink was 14 of 35. That's a 400 average, but he only got nine starts in 30 ACC games. Yeah.
0: It just it, – its it, I don't know. That's that's one of those where you just kind of go, what's going on behind the scenes there? Because the numbers tell you he should play. And, and I know – it felt like every time Trayton got an opportunity, Brett, it, it felt like you could see how much it meant to him to try and prove – that he belonged and deserved to be an everyday guy. So I mean, maybe next year. I don't know. That's a guy that I think the future of this program needs.
1: I mean, Baz Amanda's had two ABs in conference play and one of them was in the last game of, of conference play when you were down 11-0. Right.
0: right. <sighs> Come right. on. All right. I don't know the, the Auburn game. What, what, what else do you want to break down? Because I you po- drop pop-ups. Guys are getting thrown out on the base paths. Um, I mean, the defense was atrocious the entire game. Yeah, Jaime, we love Jaime, right? Like you and I are big Jaime forer fans. He wilted in the moment there with the game unraveling and the ball getting underneath his glove. I just was was the pop up his fault too.
1: I I thought that was his ball. Um, you know, Brett was all the way on you know on the right side of shortstop. Shift right in um, the right handed shift, yeah. Um, <clears throat> had to run a long way and kind of had to go at it at a weird angle, kind of over his shoulder. Um, that ball was in the air for a long time. It just felt like I felt like all night Jaime he- was struggling with something, whether it was the lights, the way the ball looked in, in that daytime. Um, it just looked like he couldn't find the ball well for most of the night. Um, and you know, that I mean that ground ball. I mean, that's just, that's just a mental lapse, but you know, there were a few bad reads, some balls that got over his head. Um, that just, it just looked to me like he wasn't getting a great read on where the ball was off the bat.
0: Right. And then you mentioned Hubbard a little bit. I was, man, I was really disappointed in that outing by, by Bryce. It was, it felt like he wasn't getting the calls that he wanted Maybe he felt like he deserved from the – I mean, the strike zone is notoriously – they shrink in the postseason. They have for many years now. I think Bryce let that and the environment kind of get to him. And like you said, he really could only throw fastball. At one point, there was only one pitch he could throw for a strike, and that was fastball down the middle. And when Auburn figured that out, they were able to have some success.
1: I I just felt like Bryce all this season just let things that are uncontrollable – get to him um you know whether that was grip the baseballs the mounds the umpires it just felt like a lot of the year in situations where he would kind of unravel with his command or start getting hit hard was when you know he was just either upset with the mound or 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 the umpire or something it it always it just it, it was it was a really just weird season for Bryce when You know, all the delays he had in the middle of the year and that stuff and getting starts pushed back and this and that and um just a lot of weird starts. I mean it's just it's really tough to wrap my mind around. I mean, Bryce was so good the second half of the season last year. Bryce was so good in the summer, um, you know, just looked like himself for fall and preseason and just, you know, that those first few starts in the regular season, we were like, all right, this is yeah, this is what we're gonna get every day. And you know, outside of the BC start, you just never really got those that real good Bryce again after that. It didn't feel like, and, and and that's just disappointing. But you know, Bryce is still a guy I think highly of, him, a guy that I think will go pretty high in the draft. So, um, you know, just just didn't have his best stuff when he needed it um, this year.
0: Yeah, I like Bryce a lot. The person too, he's easy to talk to. Uh, can hold a conversation for for a long time and he's got a lot of great insight on the game of baseball and you know once you get to know him a little bit he's a good dude and yeah just disappointed because I really thought FSU had you know an ace on Saturdays to to go up against anyone else's number two and it just didn't work out for for Bryce and this weekend but 21 to 7 we both felt like at that point FSU's chances of getting out of the regional were like less than five percent and It was going to take some miraculous performances. You got one on Sunday. Uh, Jonah Scalaro did his part. Gets the start. Brett, finally, after how many weeks have have you and I been on here saying Scalaro as an opener, as a guy who can go four innings, could be beneficial to your team? They went with him. I'm sure it was because of the experience um, and allowing Jonah to kind of be able to handle that moment and oh my gosh, did he. Six and a third, one earned run, nine strikeouts, and he went 91 pitches, which is almost about 30 more than his previous career high, so major hat tip to that kid. That kid's a gamer, and uh, I have a lot of respect uh, for Jonas Scolaro, especially in that performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one way, that's one hell of a way to go out, especially for a kid that's gotten a lot of unnecessary heat, and has been thrown in a lot of really bad positions his whole career at FSU for five years and um that kid's been in more tough situations in the last five years at Florida State than than any other player in, in the country I think I mean the, the all the games he's come into and and everything I mean that was his 120th appearance out of Florida State in his first career weekend start and um he threw he threw I mean as, as good as you could asked for and gave you everything and and more um he was awesome he just he was he got better and better as it went on he was he was cruising he was striking I mean you think he struck out five straight dudes at one time, at one point um like you said that's just he's just a gamer and he's, he's really he was really fun to watch you know I know you know we don't really think he was used in, in the smartest way all year but um, for him to just get that moment in his last start last time wearing that uniform um that's pretty cool and that's couldn't have scripted a better way for him to go out except for picking up a W there. But for that individual performance, um, that, was,
0: that was really awesome. I found myself wondering about the fifth or sixth inning there. When you were searching for answers all season for a number three, after Ross, you know, really couldn't consistently give you something, when Carson couldn't give you a consistent answer, did it really take the final performance of Jonah's career for it to be obvious that he should have got at least a look. Um, You and I both, I think, chatted about he reminds us the most uh, of what Connor Grady kind of gave you on Sundays in his career. I know we love Whitaker and and his stuff profiles more like Grady, but I'm talking the veteran experience of a guy who knows that it's not always going to be the stuff that beats you, but it's going to be being in the zone, aggressively attacking and being able to pile up innings on Sunday afternoons.
1: Yeah, I mean, Whitaker and Jonah were the two guys for me, uh, you know, after the midway point of the season when, you know, Dunn and Carson kind of showed you that they weren't made to do it for the whole year. Um, That, you know, I always thought Whitaker or Scolaro should be that guy. Um, And, you know, Jonah this year, I mean, really made himself into that by adding that change up, adding the new changeup that he throws and um, just made him so much better against righties. And he was able to work um, against anyone and, and throw any pitch at any time um, to get dudes down. I mean, the slider was really, really good against UCLA, had a ton of bite on it, uh, threw the change up a lot, too, dropped in a few curve balls. He um, was just in, in command of everything. He was in command of the game and, and set the tone the way you needed to, and the bats just, just, just couldn't pick him up.
0: No, they couldn't. Only seven hits on the day. Was it one extra base hit? Am I right? Ferrer's home run was it? Yeah. And you just so. you never really threatened UCLA. The Kelly Austin kid who threw like – felt like 80% change-ups. Oh, it was weird to watch. And then the bats were swinging at balls in the dirt. It felt like they were pressing. I think a lot of them started to feel the pressure of being one game away from their seasons. And for some of them, their careers ending. And it was tough, man. Like it was, and again, base running errors, you get picked off twice or caught stealing twice. It just, I don't know. It just felt like a team that was, I don't want to say they were ready to go home because I don't believe that. I think they wanted to fight. But like UCLA just could not score runs. This weekend right like other than beating up on southeast Louisiana's division two arms like (sighs) One run in support of like your pitching staff was good. You gave up two solo bombs and you lost two to one I don't know. I don't have I don't have words for it. It was just You know the bingo card we kind of we joke about like check off this you can put this Cold offense. There you go. That was your final game of the year
1: And I mean, you made two more outs on the base pass, too, and and, in both scenarios, I didn't think it was awful decisions by either player. Um, You know, Tyler's got to see a dirt ball farther away and then go, but, you know, Tyler's just usually so instinctive on the base pass that he trusts himself, and sometimes um, that can run you into the outs. Uh, The one with Trayton, you know, that's just a first move go, Um, not really a base running mistake, just a, you know, they they timed up their move better than you did, Um, but... FSU's offensive approach I guess the way they handled uh, uh, Kelly Austin was I thought the worst FSU's offense looked all year um, they were just flailing at everything it, they were on their front foot on everything it I don't know if they were pressing I don't know if they just it was just it wasn't pretty it was there was it felt like they swung at 50% of balls that were out of the zone. Um, It felt like they swung at, I don't know, it felt like every strikeout was on a breaking ball or a changeup in the dirt. And it felt like he was just doing the same things over and over again. And, you know, I was sitting and saying to Arya, I mean, he's going first pitch fastball. And then after that, he just goes off speed, off speed, off speed, basically against your, your primary guys. And it's just, at what point do you make an adjustment? And it, that adjustment it never came outside of Jaime crushing a hanging breaker um, and a couple good pieces after that that both went for outs. But I mean, those first five innings, um, you had some guys on base, but I mean, the, the approach, the the plate discipline, everything about it was it was it was horrible. It was it was the worst approach I, I saw FSU take all year against against an individual
0: arm. It Looked like two really tired teams going at it like exhausted and UCLA ended up anyway getting smacked by Auburn in the uh the final game which by the way had a weather delay that they had to postpone into Monday to finish that I would have been miserable watching that I think a lot of parents and fans made going, the trip
1: Imagine going back to your hell I mean you're back to your hotel <laughs> the 7th inning they you're down 9-0 back in the last game of your season and you have to wait what it was 16 hours, I think, until they resumed in the top of the seventh. Hell was yeah. Plainsman Park, Brett. Uh, it was, yeah. That was
0: the, that was the 27 innings that we had to watch, uh, three times. Uh, anyway, um, credit to Jaime for the home run, that ball was smoked. Uh, I thought Brett Roberts homered to end the game, right? You get the leadoff single from Tibbs, it was really clutch, and then uh. Nice job. I know we, we say bad base running. Can we give credit where it's due? Isaiah Perry, able to tag from first mm-hmm. to second, and you had, you had a runner on second base, the tying run, one out. Did Reese strike out on three pitches? Uh, I think four. Four? Or maybe three. Um, and then the Treadwell kids slider to breaking ball to trade rank was disgusting to end the game. Yeah, I
1: mean, as soon as it left his hand, it was season that was over. That was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, what a what a perfect pitch. That was yeah, that was that was knee buckling at its finest.
0: But he got three. He Roberts got on a three one count and hit the ball. I think dead center is what three eighty five. He hit a three eighty one. It just felt like all the balls
1: to left center and to right center. It felt like they died all weekend long. It felt like every
0: ball that got out of there was pull-side for the most part. I was ready to punch you in the shoulder if Roberts had hit that out. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Trust me, I wanted it. (laughs) I wanted it. Uh, It's just how the season's gone, you know. When you're you're not a team that earns luck, it's not going to find you. So, you know, there's those seasons where those teams that you're just kind of like everything goes your way, and even when you're not at your best, a moment just kind of finds you. This was the opposite. It was like, oh, bad moments find you. This team hit more balls right at people than I can remember. I mean, all weekend. Like, carry on. You and I both joked, like, there's no way Florida State scores another run after Terrell got picked off. And of course, carry on hits the ball, what? Probably a, over 100 exit velo right at the shortstop who doubles off Vincent.
1: I thought that was Jordan. I thought Jordan had good swings all weekend and just
0: never got. Outside of that triple, never really got the benefit of it. I thought he had really good swings. You could tell he was frustrated. There was one time he slapped himself on the helmet, almost in like, uh, what do I got to do to buy a hit? Yeah, season ends, man. That's it. 2-1 loss, 34-25. You really never – you didn't really deserve to win the regional. So let's let's talk recap of the year, I think. I think that's, you know – it's frustrating, man. Like, the whole season was frustrating. I kept – we kept, as fan base, waiting for that one weekend where you're like, all right, this team figured it out. And it just never happened. It never happened. So, I'll ask you we'll, – we'll do a series of of accolades, I guess, if you want to call them. I'm struggling to find the word that, that they use. What do you – use? what's the word when – You're like your senior year of high school, and you're leaving. And it's like most likely to do this, most likely to do that. What are those called? Superlatives? Thank God. You're smarter than I Wow, I knew the word, and you did it? I mean, you... That is shocking. I should quit uh, broadcasting. This is is sad. Uh (laughs) Listen, man, we got to laugh or we're going to cry. MVP of this team.
1: Uh, Well, first off, I'm just going to do... Once I say once I pick someone for something, I'm not picking them again, because some of them are a little similar. Okay, but I think MVP of this team has to be Jaime. I mean, okay, I just felt like he was the one guy for you outside maybe like a two week stretch. That was just he was just there. He was present. I think he was the only guy that started every game this year. Um, he was durable um, and he just made an impact on every game he played um you know I know he struggled the last weekend against Auburn but he got a lot better defensively this year I felt like made some big plays in the outfield did some things on the bases hit for some power hit for average um yeah he's he's a cornerstone piece for you um you really got to build off of him I think be here for three years two more years after this one um he was just he was he was as good as, as a freshman gets um and he was really fun to watch there's there's no one that plays with with more fire than that kid and And that's the thing I love him the most about him.
0: I like your pick. Um, Just for the sake of picking someone else, uh, I'll say the team's MVP was Parker Messick. I know towards the last month he didn't have it, but like 80% of the season that kid was – you knew what you were getting from Parker every single night. Like there was never a question. The kid was going to pour his heart out. Uh, He was going to leave everything he had out there. If his stuff wasn't working, he was going to beat you with competitiveness. And you were like, this guy's going at least six. Um, That, to me, is the MVP of the year because I think without Parker Messick, your team, I mean, gosh. I I can't even imagine what your season looks like without Messick rolling um, on Friday nights. So Parker's mine. Uh, Jaime's yours. Um, Best hitter. I think that's... Pretty easy for both of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, you go with Jaime. I'll do someone else.
0: You will. All right, cool. I'll because, go with Jaime
1: because I'm doing one person for each one. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tibbs. I feel like you got to go with the two freshmen for those two things. I felt, you know, you could go with B Rob too, but I think overall, um, you know, Tibbs with the power. You know what? Actually, I'm going. I'm going B Rob. Actually, I'm going Roberts because at the end of the day, you knew you were going to get a you know a really good outbound out of him. You know, I know a lot of people say that he's not a good base runner. In my opinion, he's a good base runner. First five games of the season doesn't determine if you're a good base runner or not. After after that, I thought he did a really good job on the bases for the most part. Out of, you know, know, a play on an infield fly that was messed up at UNC. Um, You know, he lowered his strikeout rate a lot by the end of the year and was the hitter that you expected him to be. I think he tied for the team lead with doubles with Jaime or maybe was one behind him. what did he end up hitting? 299 or 300? 300 flat. 300 flat. Um, so, it's yeah. A, it's and a I just fun think, number. I think what? I think B Rob might have had the second most starts in the team. Um, so, I just think that he was this, that, that second most consistent hitter for you throughout, throughout the year that had the most impact on the game, whether it was as a hitter or a base runner. Uh,
0: he was hitting like 225. You remember that at one I point in it the year? He was
1: like two, two, five, 240 something.
0: It and it I, dropped. Like I'm talking, like you and I were both asking questions, like, well, "What's going on?" And to finish 300, 24 extra base hits, by the way, Brett. This season, 18 doubles, five homers. I'm still telling you, there's more pop in
1: that bat. There's... A triple.
0: Strikeouts only 36 on the year. He finished amongst the lowest of of every day regulars. Credit him, man. That's a that's a pure hitter. And he started to hit the ball to the you know right center field gap a ton. And you could count on Brett, really, towards the end of the year. You can always count on Brett's. Yeah? <laughs> all right. Roberts so, hit
1: three hundred seven in, in, in ACC play as well. And him and Jaime were the only guys on the team to, to hit above two seventy on ACC play. So um, that's why I'd have to go with, with him.
0: All right. Best pitcher?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like you ha- you have to go Parker. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to go Wyatt too, because I felt like he might have ended up being your most valuable pitcher only because I just like how many less games does that does FSU win without Wyatt, you know, that those between April, May and, and July, I mean, gosh, April, May and June. Um, but I'll go Parker because of everything that he means to this team overall, um, the leader he is, the competitor he is, everything that he brings to the table. Um, and you know you're going to get a bulldog on the mound every time he goes out there. And um, This team did not win enough with him on the mound, but he gave this team enough chances to win. The, um, you know, the amount of chances to win as you want from your ace outside of you know, two starts, He basically gave you a chance to, to win every day that he went out there.
0: I'll go with Wyatt. I just do think he was your most reliable arm by the end of the year um, and maybe your highest draft pick on that staff, that guy, that guy's got a chance to be pretty special. Um, and if it wasn't Wyatt, I would have, you know, just for the sake of not going with Parker, because I thought that was my team MVP. I thought Connor Whitaker really reliable for large parts of the season. He would come in in any situation and just get the job done. The amount of times they asked Connor to come in on a two Oh count or <laughs> a two, two count. And they're like, can you make one pitch? And he would do that in a big spot. True freshman, yeah, hat tip. Uh, all right, um, unsung hero and best newcomer. Ooh, we're pairing two together.
1: I love to see it. Um, unsung hero, I'll go Jonas Galaro. I mean, yeah. just because for some reason he is just like very, just gets a lot of, just gets a lot of heat for no reason for the most parts. Um, but you know this. Second half of the year, every time Jonah went, when you needed Jonah to give you lots of innings to help this pitching staff, you know, keep going and get to the next day, Jonah delivered. I think in every single time he went three, three plus innings, he, he didn't give, he only gave up one run at most, or um, he was just really good in all those opportunities. Um, and you know, he's a guy that you know, one of two guys on this team that's been here for five years, um, and you know, he's a good leader, and you know. Everyone likes Jonah on that team, I think, and um, yeah, I mean, three two five ERA in forty four point one innings. You know, just off the, the you know what people, what you know the fan base says about Jonah. Sometimes you would have never thought that his numbers were that good this year, but but they were, and he gave you everything and more you could ask for this year. I think um, after adding that changeup that I mentioned earlier. Uh, what was the other one? Newcomer. Um,
0: it can be a transfer or a freshman.
1: Yeah, um, I'll go Tibbs. Um, I mean, he hit 300 as a freshman, and you know I thought Tibbs would be an impact player this year. But you know I thought he'd probably hit some. I didn't think he'd hit 300. I thought he'd hit for power for sure, a lot of power. Uh, but he did both. I mean, 13 doubles, 10 homers, uh, 5.53 slug. I think that was tops on the team by the end of the year. Um, that's a really, really good lefty bat and a guy that's going to have an impact. You know, a power impact. You know, every time he steps in the box, he he presents a threat just because of the natural pop that's in his bat. Um, you know, um, he's just a kid that's it's only going to get better. I think um, you know, and as his approach refines itself a little bit, I think the K's will go down um, and the power will go up. So excited to see where where he goes from here.
0: I will go unsung hero, Jordan Carrion. I thought he. Remember that stretch where he was hitting like 450 for about three weeks there. Mm-hmm. You guys won a lot of ball games. Florida State won a lot of ball games because of him, and I, I really did think coming in and kind of solidifying your shortstop position, um, a position that's made you kind of hold your breath at times. And I know he had he had his fair share of errors, but he saved you a lot of uh, runs um, and kept a lot of guys off the base paths with the way that he played the game and I you know, talking to everybody by the end of the year, fans, media members, they were all Jordan Carrion fans. Um, and his family loves Florida State. I think they were like honorary animals by the end of the year. Like his dad and his brother, his mom like they were I mean, they were they were in love with Florida State by the end of the year and they really embraced what it meant to be a Seminole and Carrion I know his average dropped to about two eighty, but I feel like with some better luck he was a three hundred hitter for FSU and Second half of the year, too, Brett. He was insane. Like, he was so good. Led the team in steals with 11. Um, Big fan of Jordan Carrion, and I hope he comes back. I mean, I'm expecting him to come back, and um, let's hope that the draft doesn't find a way to take him. Um, In terms of best newcomer, since you went with Tibbs, that was going to be mine, and Jaime is the obvious one because he's a freshman, but we've already said his name. I will go with my favorite newcomer was probably Brett Roberts, and I know you mentioned him for, for one of yours, but it truly was cool to see when he turned it on and he flipped that switch. Uh, Brett, you saw him in the Cape Cod League, and you told you would call me and be like, this kid's going to hit, um, and I didn't believe you for a while <laughs> because I hadn't seen it, but then I finally saw what you had seen, um, and he's, he's also a good kid, great family, who loves Florida State, and Um, Roberts, if this is the only year that he was in Tallahassee hitting 300 with 24 extra base hits, 461 slug, I'll take it. Good for you. All right. Um, let's see if there's any other that we wanted to talk about. Um, are there any guys, you know, that's it I think for superlatives, but any guys that you think we've seen the last of in tally and guys that you think are future leaders?
1: Um, well, you know, we have a lot of red shirt seniors that are, um, out of eligibility um, you know the guys out of eligibility Reese Albert who was here for five years and uh, you know it was just awesome to watch Reese's transformation this year and um, you know I know the year didn't end the way he wanted to but for him to be able to come back after those injuries and, and, and still make an impact and be an everyday player um, and kind of reset his mentality on the way he think the, the way he approached things um, it was cool to watch and um, you know, he helped, he helped this team win baseball games, especially early in the year. Um, you know, Lacey's out of eligibility. Terrell's out of eligibility. Um, Isaiah Perry is out of eligibility. Jackson Green is as well. Um, Kyle McMullen and Jonas Scallaro, um and Davis Hare are the other ones that are all out of eligibility after this year. So those guys will be gone. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be other kids that leave. Um, you know, whether that be kids that are cut or in the transfer portal, um, you know, a lot of kids that some kids that didn't weren't on the postseason roster that, you know, could potentially, I mean, guys that weren't on the uh, postseason roster or Brandon Walker, um, trying to think of some other David Barrett wasn't on the postseason roster. Um, so guys like that, you, you might expect to be in the portal. Um, you know, a Connor Strickland, those kids, um, so far FSU has, seven kids in the portal from the 2022 roster that would include Maze white Cade bush um dylan jacobs um who are the other ones Preston weatherall man help me out here are you who are the other ones and ross dunn was the one the big one that entered today that was surprising um you know i heard about it a little earlier in the day and you know kendall rogers put it out you touched Um, on most of the ones that i I think fans would know yeah there's so um
0: you said Maze white
1: yeah yeah but ross i mean that's surprising that's um not a good sign i know some people you know his numbers weren't great and but but ross man is he's a he's a top three round arm and at the end of the day losing one of those is is not a good sign um he's a potential weekend starter next year he was his team sunday starter entering the year as he should have been the way he performed in the preseason but just couldn't keep it together long enough um but Ross is a special talent, and, um, you know, it seems like he's moving on from Florida State. Um, you know, I think he's going to be at Team USA this summer and probably um, get a good bit of offers just based on what he throws. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a really talented player that, that um, doesn't seem like he's going to be back here next year.
0: Bro, that's a brutal loss. Um, that is I – mean, you're talking about, like, a potential top ten pick. Like, if it all pans out for him, couldn't Ross be, like, a 1-1? I mean, Ross could be the first pick of the draft. A lefty who tops out at 98?
1: I mean, if he threw – if he had, like, Parker Messick's command and developed the changeup like Parker, he could be a 1-1. But the talking, talent is – yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the talent is superb. Uh,
0: it's a painful loss, man. There's
1: not many That's left-handed painful. arms in college baseball that throw, you know, sit in the mid-90s and can reach back for a 6 or a 7. Now, um, you're,
0: you're talking to a guy that you were – probably counting on to be one of your rotation arms next year
1: i mean at the start of this year you probably thought he was going to be your friday arm in 2023 and now he's gone
0: that's brutal i don't know how else to say it
1: and i mean i believe he's (sighs) the ninth guy from the 2020 recruiting class that has now left um and i think there will be more from that um you know i think there could there's already been what is it i think it's eight of 13 from the 2021 recruiting class the freshman class that came in this year that are already in the portal or i think it's seven and then you you know potentially there could be others um depending on on what happens um not enough in-house development going on here that that's got to be something that becomes it has to become something that's important at this program again is developing guys, being patient with guys, um, building from within. Um, you know, A lot of these guys struggle when they come in here because they haven't been in the system long. You, ha- you don't have a lot of guys that have been in the system long at the plate. And to me, um, that's why you continue, it, between the hitting approach itself, not having homegrown kids, having kids in the first year in the system that have to play for you every day, um, you're gonna struggle, you're gonna have consistencies. And if that continues to be the case, if kids continue to leave, if you, you know, if every year, every t- every second year with the class, you get to the second year with the class, and there's like four or five kids left, which seems to be the trend every year the last few years. That's not. That's not. How How do you build a program doing that? I. I, I don't know.
0: I don't either. That's. Man, that, that, that Ross Dunn news is, is tough. And it, it's tough not, to swallow. It's
1: not the Man. end either, I
0: don't think. Man. All right, let's talk about some tournament uh, big picture stuff from from the weekend. You wouldn't have known it if you were only paying attention to the Auburn regional, but every other regional was fantastic. I mean, there were nine of them of the 16 went to a Game 7 winner-take-all. You had Brett Arkansas Oklahoma State was phenomenal. LSU, Southern Miss was phenomenal. Vandy and Oregon State was fun to watch. Uh, seeing Ole Miss, a team that was maybe the last team in, go down to Coral Gables and win that regional and scored 22 runs in its final I was game. I to say, pretty emphatically. Emphatically. Too. Uh, I know I'm missing some right now, so help me out. Other ones that pop. Oh, how do I forget this? Boomer Sooner. Way to go, Oklahoma! Knocking off the Gators, they were down three to one in the seventh. Peyton Graham two-run bomb, and then they win five to three to end Sully's year again. Um, there were some really good ones I this mean, weekend. It yeah. was it, this was as good of a stage for college baseball as we've had in a long time.
1: Yeah, I'll mention a couple others. Oregon State Vandy was awesome at the end. Um, Stanford, Texas Tech—I mean, Texas State was awesome at the end. The games that Notre Dame played against Texas Tech were awesome. Um, it was, I mean, Monday, I watched baseball all day. After Sunday, I said, I'm probably not going to watch the rest of the postseason. I turned on one game on Monday, and I was hooked for the rest of the day. I mean, it was, there were so many good games, so many good atmospheres. I watched an Eastern Carolina pitcher like lose his absolute brain at one point, like just go absolutely nuts. I don't think there's a more undervalued product than college baseball. I mean there's there's nothing to me there's not many sports in postseason play that are that is it's as much fun to watch as college baseball and the players that are there especially at some certain schools and just that just play with insane like the competitiveness, the fact fi- like the fiery players that this sport have are amazing but um, You know, one other thing I'll mention is, man, there were some umpires that ruined some games. I mean, Michigan got completely screwed. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was watching that game live, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, this is terrible. They they Umpires literally just handed Louisville. I mean, they didn't hit the home runs for them, but the inning's over if they <laughs> – I don't know what they looked at in replay. I mean, the, the play – the bunt play in Maryland – I know the rule is there, but like there was no, no the kid was way in the base path
0: play. Yeah, um, yeah. How about I how mean, about a North Carolina's coach Scott Forbes and getting how tossed. about the
1: umpire pushing a kid out of the box after like one second on a grand slam in a game seven of a regional final? Go get a life! All these umpires need to go get a life. Uh, the number one thing I've learned about college baseball in the years I've been covering here is that the umps are every there's there's not a game where you go this is a good umpire.
0: Nope. They're terrible. They're so bad. I couldn't believe Scott Forbes got suspended for two games in the middle of postseason. I mean, he got suspended for like
1: just asking them. Yeah. What? Why? Like, I you go back and watch the video. He's just like standing there and asking them for a reasoning, and they won't give it to him.
0: The umpire actually initiated contact with Scott Forbes. And they did you notice? Did you notice that?
1: Yeah. No, it, they, they, when we <laughs> played at North Carolina, they messed up an infield fly thing there too, yeah. and then they messed yeah. it up there in their regional. Yeah. How do you get an infield fly call wrong? Right. The ball goes in the air with runner on first. And like, it, hello?
0: Shout out A&M That was fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh,
0: my a, gosh. That was fun.
1: There were uh, some really, I mean, all over the place. There were really good
0: ones. I want to talk about some super regional matchups, because yeah. if you thought last weekend was fun, it's going down this weekend. Um, we can make our picks, too, if you'd like. I'm down. You down? Yeah. All right, we'll start with – I'm just going to go down D1 Baseball's schedule. Texas at East Carolina. Is this the year ECU and Cliff Godwin make it to Omaha? They've never done it. Just give
1: me ECU because they're hosting, and that place is a jungle.
0: I'm going Texas. I'm a believer in Ivan Melendez. 30
1: tanks is (laughs) (laughs) – I just – Thirty tanks, that's uh, all I know is we'll impressive.
0: be we're gonna have to tune into that one, you and I, um, when we get together on Friday. Uh, Oklahoma at Virginia Tech. How about Blacksburg?
1: This might be the toughest one in my opinion. I mean Oklahoma's as hot as anyone, but I really like the hokies. I mean, they just mash. I just I and think at their just, home park especially. I think they're just gonna mash their way yeah, um, I've got VT. to uh to a region uh, Omaha.
0: I've got V T as well. I think it goes three though. I do believe OU gets at least one, and I think that might be one of the better matchups. That's going
1: to be a wild atmosphere. Yeah, if
0: you go by D1 Baseball's top 25, that's a top 10, 4 versus 9 matchup. All right. Notre Dame. Jer- uh, Link Jarrett at Tennessee. Can the fighting Irish knock off the Vols in Knoxville?
1: Tennessee's going to out-talent Notre Dame in every way, um, but I'm taking the Irish. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm taking the iris. just because
0: ACC, ACC, just because
1: I, I ACC Notre Dame is a team that just <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make mistakes and, you know, I feel like Tennessee is the type of team where like they're so confident almost to the point where it's like. Like, you just – I don't know. It just feels like Arkansas last year a little bit, where it was like they're due for a bad weekend at some point.
0: So is Tennessee, when they're up 20 to nothing in game one, are we both going to look at each other like, damn? I mean, if they start <laughs> – if Notre Dame starts Bertrand, I mean – I wouldn't start Bertrand game one. There's my – that's the twist that I would have in there. I'm I mean, serious.
1: Tennessee's going to ruin a good arm at you at all three games, so – my thing is though, you have to win the first game if you're Notre Dame. I feel like.
0: But if you win that second game, all the momentum's yours going into Game Three. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, yeah, I got Notre Dame as well. That should be a lot of fun. Um, Tennessee did have to come back twice this past weekend, by the way. They were down four nothing to Campbell. I think. The Yellow into...
1: Jackets ever going to go back to the super reasonable? By the way.
0: No, they can't pitch. Like, they haven't been able to pitch for ten years. Um, Georgia Tech almost had him too, right? It was they were up. They were up four three
1: in the ninth, and this game six, and then blew it.
0: All right, uh, let's go to College Station, Louisville at Texas A and M. This one's even in my opinion. Give
1: me A and M just because I don't believe in Louisville. I don't believe in Louisville's pitching. I just don't know. To me, they just don't have a guy to go to. That's just that's nails as a
0: starter. Poland's just solid. He's pretty good.
1: Yeah, and Perseki's a good closer, but it's, it's more so getting to Prosecchi that worries me about Louisville.
0: Well, I think Louisville was also like Florida State in a lot of ways. Uh, at home, they were phenomenal, and they struggled away uh, yeah. from Jim Patterson Stadium. Um, so I'll also take Texas A&M, but that goes three, in my opinion. Uh, let's see. I think we we'll move on to the second slate of games. They go Friday through Sunday or Saturday through Monday. Uh, all right. Give me UNC and Arkansas from Chapel Hill. Give me UNC. They're just, they're too hot right now. UNC at home this season, by the way, I think is like 30 and 5 or something like that. they I mean, they just, I mean, hell, they, they've swept FSU at
1: home. Um, um, they're on fire. I mean, North Carolina is like. I like Forbes a lot too, and that's why I hated seeing him. Get suspended yeah. those two games, gotcha. but I mean,
0: honey cut and Center. Um, Arkansas has some like weird voodoo magic, man.
1: I don't. What? Well, where Arkansas is like actually going to do something when they're not expected to? Now it's just so when weird. They're expected they, to do things, they don't do anything. I don't
0: know. I think they just played in a, a hostile environment too. That they're not going to be, they're not going to be intimidated.
1: I don't I, think the North I don't Carolina believe North Carolina's,
0: Carolina's pitching at all.
1: I just believe in. You how think they done? I just believe how they're going right now, especially offensively.
0: I'm going to take Arkansas in three. I don't know why. Uh, I think North Carolina is going to be the heavy favorite, but I'm going to go Arkansas. They've been there. They've done that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you sticking your neck out for the SEC,
0: bud. I'm not trying to. I just, Come on now. Just, just what I feel, man. Just go with my heart. <laughs> uh. <laughs> UConn at Stanford. Okay, Stanford's going to kill UConn. Uh, I got Stanford uh, in two. UConn's got to go across the country, man. I'm Ty- going to take my boy Matt Donlin
1: behind the plate for Connecticut. Is that one of your cutaway boys? Cataliers hit a grand slam yesterday. Um, Stick to basketball. UConn, I, Stanford, I Stanford, it kind of... They weren't great this weekend. Their offense wasn't great.
0: They're so good, though.
1: They are good. Something about UConn right now, though, man. But you I'll, take,
0: it? I'll take Stanford okay. in three. In three, okay. This is going to be a very underrated series, in my opinion. Um, the state of Mississippi might blow up. Uh, Ole Miss at Southern Miss. Um, I believe they play each other in the midweek a couple times this year. I want to say Southern Miss beat them both times. Mm-hmm. That place was a zoo when they played LSU, and that series was fantastic. Does Ole Miss have the magic to finally get to Omaha under Bianco, or is it Southern mm. Miss's year? I I
1: just love Southern Miss's arms. I just I'm not going to bet against their arms in a three game series. I don't think. <sighs> you want to? I feel like you want to go Ole Miss, but you
0: don't want to. My brain tells me it's such a bad idea, and Ole Miss is a.
1: <sighs> There's something about those teams that play with house money where it was like their season was over. That's and then all why, of a sudden they got in, and it's like, oh, brand new season. And,
0: and bro, listen, Ole Miss's lineup is like a like ninety percent of what they had last year. Well,
1: they've been completely different since they got Graham back from injury, which that kid against us last year was an issue.
0: I'm pulling the trigger, Ole Miss in three. I don't know why.
1: I mean, that. that I mean, the crowds there. You guys are the, gonna just. The there me of being are, an SEC boy. I think it just means hashtag it means more. There's going to be some fights at, at that. I can't wait to watch uh, that.
0: I cannot wait to watch. How far and of the drive
1: is it to Hattiesburg? Do you want
0: to out there? Three hours and 55 minutes. I looked it up. Go back to Mississippi for the second straight year. But that's what I'm saying, though, like for Ole Miss, too, is like um, Ole Miss is, doesn't have a long no. tr- travel. Yeah. They should have a lot of fans and attendance. I just – I don't know. I thought LSU was close to to knocking off Southern Miss, but we'll see. Uh, All right, last one. It was the one Florida State was paired with, the Auburn Regional with Corvallis. Auburn going to Oregon State. Oregon State was pushed by Vandy. Auburn can really swing the stick. Do you believe in Auburn's pitching going all the way across the country to get to Omaha, or are you sticking with the Beavers?
1: Um, I think I'm going to go with the Beavers just because – yeah, I, I don't fully – you know, I like Barnett and and Gonzalez and a couple of their bullpen arms, but they're the type of team where I feel like if they get off script pitching-wise, they're going to struggle a little bit. And Oregon State, I, I think some of their big guys kind of – they didn't do much for them this past weekend. I think Melton, the Pac-12 player of the year, didn't really do anything until the home run in game seven. Um, I just like
0: their team a lot. Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon State, too. I don't know if it'll go three, but Brett, the fact that Auburn really wasn't even challenged in its own regional, like, they didn't have to face any adversity at all. I just, I think they're going to face a you lot know, of You know,
1: Auburn has won nine straight regional games now. They've been to three straight Supers. They have. I mean, they've literally just swept three straight regionals with Thompson. Yeah. And I think they've outscored opponents like 125 to 40
0: in those games. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if this game was even in, like, Omaha and it wasn't at Oregon State, I might be compelled to take Auburn and their red-hot offense, but... It's going to be a,
1: such a weird change of location for Auburn.
0: You're going to go from, like, the ball carrying and hot and humid to, like, I think this past weekend in Corvallis, it yeah. was, like, dropped into the low 60s and high 50s. Yeah, and I mean... Did you see
1: people wearing hoodies? You're watching Squeeze play, and, like, every game, it's, like, people, like, in tank tops and... Like, having to use umbrellas because of the sun, and they, they go to Oregon State and it's like raining and 55 degrees.
0: It's going to be different. So, if they beat Oregon State, they'll have earned it. But I think we're both taking Oregon State. I was there. thinking the fact that they ha- that
1: program is so good with the weather they deal with all the time is like so amazing to me. The fact sure. that they've they have that sustained just level of play that they have is it, it's something that's doesn't make it just that's crazy to me.
0: Cool. All right. Well, we're, we're going to wrap this pod up for this episode. I hope you guys are still watching college baseball this weekend. It's still a great product and a lot of great matchups, but we'll be back to preview more of Florida State as a program, as a whole, um, later this week or early next with a pod that kind of looks ahead. Um, we want to thank you guys again for just being so passionate about Florida State baseball. And a shout out to the seniors who have been here for five years, especially the redshirt shirt. COVID seniors, uh, a lot of effort and and heart put into Florida State baseball and uh, wish you well on your future endeavors, whether that's in baseball or in another aspect of life. And thanks again to the fans who made it out to Auburn. Brett. I think you and I were both so impressed with the, not just the animals, but the number of garnet and gold faithful that came from, I heard from Birmingham, from Atlanta, from South Florida, from all over. Um, And they really made it, they, they showed the love and I think the players felt that too, so Great job by you guys. Thanks again for listening. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple if you could do us a, a favor here and give us five stars on the, on the Apple uh, Pods app and uh, just let your friends know about Sunday Golds. Brett and I love Florida State baseball and I hope that you guys can hear in our voices just how much we care about this program and, and the future of it or we wouldn't do this podcast. So um, until we talk to you later on this week or in the near future, for Brighton event I'm Ari Masoudi, and this was Sunday Golds.